Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are we today? I am going good. And uh, what about yourself? I'm going good too. Can't complain at all. That's I mean, great. I could, but no one's going to listen to me. Anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> Maybe that's for another podcast. That's right. <laughs> So we've got a pretty good episode and uh, we just thought on the back of a pretty big week for us in that we've delivered a important workshop called Thriving in Menopause mm. for a local council to us. And we really spoke a lot about some specific symptoms and, you know, there was a lot of aha moments and, and light bulb moments, as you referred to in that workshop as well. Yes. And we thought, let's talk about those top three symptoms and really, you know, some of the things that women can do to really support themselves through these symptoms. Yes, let's do that. Nat. And I suppose I wanted to start off too. Um, I don't know if any of you follow Natalie and I in LinkedIn. We both have our own personal profiles and an Own Your Health Collective profile. But Nat did um, did post around menopause this week, and there was three reminders that I think is really important here. And you know, we're certainly seeing the conversation starting to uh, you know come out a little bit more now. But I want to remind everyone that menopause is inevitable for all women. It is absolutely going to happen. It's a natural transition in life, and um, you know, Libby Weaver, who's a fantastic uh, nutritionist and biochemist. She talks about it being the most natural transition that we're supposed to go through it. And it's the suffering that women experience across that transition that's not okay. And that's something really important to remember, you know, like the symptoms are most likely going to happen in, you know, in different severities um, or may not happen for some of you, lucky you. Um, but it's how you manage them through lifestyle um, that's really key. And the third point I wanted to make is that it's not a medical condition. It's inevitable, it's natural, and it's not a medical condition. So I really implore you to remember those things. Women have been going through menopause forever. And, you know, I think developing a really good mindset around being uh, accepting of menopause is really good. And I think the po podcast that we did last week was really helpful from that. And, you know, we can talk about that a little bit more in some uh, upcoming episodes. But we want you to normalise, or we want you to, or we want to help you normalise, embrace and thrive in menopause. So with that, as Nat said, there were three top symptoms um, that come across, you know, that we spoke about this week. And the symptoms come along mainly because we have hormonal changes in menopause and it's just how our body operates. But I will say that genetics, diet, stress is a huge one and cultural differences can also influence these symptoms. There's about 30 plus symptoms here and some of them can be short-lived, some of them have long-lasting effects, some women experience a few of them and some women can experience a whole wide range of them. So everyone's going to experience them differently because none of us are alike and none of, we're all unique. So let's have a look at the top three. So the first one that everyone will be familiar with is hot flushes. Now this has a technical term called vasometer symptoms. So you may actually be the, um, see them uh, 
uh, explained as that. Nat, did you want to say something? I was going there? to say that wasn't it interesting in the workshop this week too how we pitched the question to the attendees, you know, what comes to mind when we say menopause? Yes. And so many of them said hot, hot flushes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And look, I know personally myself that I've certainly got this raised body temperature. And in fact, last night I was just doing a little bit of work and um, I had this, this beautiful herbal berry tea that I love having of a night that Pucker Tea makes and I woofed it down quickly. Don't know why. Oh my goodness, did I have a rose body temperature? It was like, whoop, I won't be doing that again in a hurry. So, you know, and it's just the little things that I sort of thought, okay, next time I need to sip on it. I don't need to drink it down really quickly. And I have had that happen with a cup of coffee as well. So they're the tweaks that I'm talking about, you know, with this lifestyle. You know, previously you might have woofed it down and now I'm just going to just sip on it. So um, hot flushes is, it happens because, you know, our hormones are all over the place as estrogen levels start to drop. And this causes that thermostat in our brain, the hypothalamus that controls our body temperature. And it gives, it does a little bit of a hissy fit now and then. And um, these hot flushes can range from mild to severe. Women can experience it as, or it looks like a bit of a wet glow. Um, they might have a red face or they might look like they've just come off the squash, squash court. God forbid, obviously, if that happens in the middle of a meeting. But you know what? If it happens, just accept it. It's just, you know, I think one of those things that we can't, we don't really have control over. But there's a whole load of things that you can be doing when they're happening or after they've happened as well. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So yes, they can be inconvenient, disruptive and embarrassing. They're totally random and they can be brought on, uh, brought on by certain foods, drinks, in my situation, a hot drink, or even just even a stressful situation can really bring them on as well. And I've been there. Now, you can also have a hot flush and it can be accompanied by headaches, palpitations and dizziness doesn't happen to everyone I have and still experience palpitations now and then not in association with an increase in, in body temperature but it ha does happen so what can you do to help with a hot flush so few things there's a whole lot of things actually but some top of mind for me create a food and flush diary I really love this because I work with a lot of clients that I get them to keep a bit of a food diary so why not have a food and flush diary and this helps to figure out which food and drinks or situations are causing the worst symptoms and potentially triggering the flushes. Um, so this will help you understand what they are and then in the future you can avoid or reduce the food and drinks which tr trigger them. And obviously for me, I've worked out hot drinks are definitely one of those things. And I've talked about the next one a few podcasts ago um, when we're talking about the nutrition side of things, I think, but drink plenty of water. Keeping hydrated at any stage of life is really essential. But I think even more important as you're going through perimenopause and menopause, you need to replace the fluids after sweating, you know, and that can happen with a hot flush. And, you know, we recommend that you really keep hydrated with, you know, one and a half to two, even two litres is more ideal of water a day. So you're replacing what's what you've sweated out. Reviewing your lifestyle choices. Now we bang on this all the time, I know, but reviewing your diet and exercise is really, really important. Eat a healthy, nutritious diet, keep well hydrated and having a variety of exercises just helps get rid of, you know, even things like stress, which can bring on a hot flush. The other thing is to dress in layers. If you know that you are experiencing hot flushes, you know, a little bit more than the norm, you might want to consider fabrics like, oh, sorry, you might want to dress in layers, number one, and what you're using on your body 
choose fabrics that are going to breathe. Cotton and bamboo fabrics are great. And on that point, make sure you're going to, to bed at night with a well-ventilated bedroom. You know, it's a bit cooler, which is more conducive to heading off to sleep as well. The last thing I will say there is also practice breathing. And I often find if I've got one, you know, if I've got this raised body temperature, I sort of just stop and I really just stop and do some diaphragmatic breathing. And I find that it is really, really helpful. And I have to say breathing practices has been a big aha moment for me over the last few years. And I probably, because I work with Natalie, it's, um, she definitely uh, knows the power of the breath and has taught me a lot of things around that. So hot flushes, Nat, did you want to add anything to that, Nat? I'm doing all the talking here. No, well, you know, you've got the uh, level of experience there too, Lisa, as well as the, <laughs> as well as the theoretical knowledge too. And, you know, I think you've, yeah, you've, you've covered and summed up, you know, even for myself, you know, I've, I've said before that I'm not perimenopausal. I am newly 40, but I am also noticing changes in mm. my body temperature. You know, I'll wake up during the night really hot or even the, during the day. You I haven't caught that hot. off me, have you? <laughs> No, so, you know, I guess I am noticing that, those changes, yeah. and also noticing changes with my cycle or feeling those raised body temperatures at yeah. different stages of my cycle too. So, yeah, it's just, it's all that level of information that we build upon and learn about ourselves. And you bring up a really good point too, because my research indicates, definitely indicates that there are subtle changes that are happening for women, even in their mid-30s, that they may not notice or that you might dismiss, you might think, oh, that hasn't happened before. Oh, I'm sure it's just a once-off thing. And then it starts happening a little bit more. They're subtle, but they're really signs that your body is starting to go through a change. And, you know, we talk about you know, there's evidence there to say, you know, having children early on in life is probably more conducive and easier for a lot of women. But our, the way that we, we have children now, we're having them later and things like that. So... You know, and then there's a whole lot of reproductive issues that women are going through. And, you know, your mind starts to bother, or doesn't bother, your mind starts to think, well, you know, those hormone changes are happening. There's an unbalance in hormones that are happening. Perhaps that could be actually contributing to those reproductive issues that women can be having. So I'm not saying, um, you know, go out and have your kids in your early 20s because it's, you know, it's very personal. But it's something just to keep in mind as well. So, mm. And our previous episode with Justine Cox too, yes. she shared her experience of um, having her son uh, in her early 40s and yep. then realising that that had also, you know, happened, you know, just before she came into perimenopause. That's right. Yeah, and she sort of, I think from memory, she thought it was just the the, the changes in hormones was because she'd had her, her son and her body was readjusting, but then you know, knocked her down and thought, holy moly, I'm actually in perimenopause. So, you know, and obviously that's why we do this podcast as well, to to give you the information and knowledge around understanding these different things that happen in your body throughout life. Um, and there's, we're certainly seeing an uptake in that information that people want. Um, and if you keep your ears posted, we've got something very exciting happening at Own Your Health in the next few weeks around perimenopause and the knowledge around it so that's all I'm going to say at this stage now until yeah is exciting yeah just a bit of a teaser there for everyone so the next symptom is weight gain and this can be a really frustrating element of menopause and we hear a lot of women talking about this uh, especially since the added weight tends to accumulate in the midsection which can put um, postmenopausal at risk of heart disease so something really to remember you know as you move through that day of menopause 
Now, why does this happen? It's actually the drop in estrogen that causes a redistribution of body fat from the hips and thighs to the tummy. And there is a real, a really good explanation around why this happens. So estrogen production declines in perimenopause, but the body still needs a certain amount of estrogen to keep it fit and healthy. So the body has a bit of a backup plan and I call this plan B. And what this plan B is, is around the adrenal glands taking up that production of estrogen and it releases small amounts of estrogen that the body needs. The problem is, is that our adrenal glands also produce our stress hormones. So if you have a stressful and busy life, and I know that everyone listening to this um, podcast does, and as Natalie has said before, stress is natural and it's always there. It's just the amount that you have. But if we've got too much stress and too much busyness, the adrenals are going to kick in and they'll produce cortisol and adrenaline rather than focus on the estrogen production. So they trump, you know, those hormones trump estrogen. So if the body thinks, okay, I need a plan C. So what happens is the body encourages the storage of fat around the middle of the body, so around that tummy area, because the fat in these cells in this area have a hormonal profile. So they can store estrogen. So yes, you heard right, estrogen is stored in our fat cells. And I have to say that is a real big aha moment for a lot of women just understanding that. So there's a little bit of a backup plan that actually supports your body in holding onto that fat. So I find that's quite interesting. Um, so if you remain stressed, it's going to be difficult to lose weight. So we need to employ some relaxation and meditative and, you know, uh, breathing options to be able to get us through that stress. So it might be practicing journaling. It might be waking up and doing some breathing exercises. You stop at the light and lights. And again, there might be, you know, find times through the day where you can actually restore some good breathing uh, to be done through the day. So, you know, the other thing is weight gain can also be influenced by consuming foods that don't serve you, a lack of movement and a slowdown in our metabolism. So there is a real slowdown in metabolism, believe it or not, in in, um, in estrogen, in menopause. So that's another, another one to be aware of. So what actually helps with weight gain? You know, maintain a healthy blood sugar level. You know, choose those foods that uh, don't spike that blood level. Uh, blood sugar level in your body, you want a nice balance. And I think we've spoken about that in a few podcasts ago. Look to make changes gradually. So, you know, we talk about introducing healthier foods into your diet and undertaking suitable exercise and all those kinds of things. So just make, you know, a change a week. You know, we tend to work in this culture where we want everything changed now, but we need to slow down and put some incremental changes in there so that we have some success also. And the other thing is slow down and digest your food. So this does help with the stress responses as well. So when you eat, slow down the pace of eating. So we want that more, that mindful eating. And Nat, do you want to add a little bit to that mindful eating and that mindfulness there? Yeah, it is. It's critical. And I guess there's a couple of points I wanted to add around weight gain and in particular that stress. And I know we've spoken about it a little bit on the podcast, but, you know, it's the way that we respond to the stressful situations, which has the greatest impact on us. And it's important to acknowledge that not 
you know, not all stress is bad. There's good stress for us too. And it's adopting, you know, say a, a challenge response, a relaxation mm. response or attend and befriend response to um, stressful situations that can really um, serve us in, you know, lowering the impact um, towards stress. And then around mindful eating, yeah, look, you know, again, so many of us, you know, we'll just grab a quick bite to eat or we'll sit at the desk and eat while we continue working, you know, we're guilty of it too, um, hands up mm -hmm. in the air. But, you know, when we can actually stop and be mindful and consciously choose our food, really connect to the senses as well. So using taste, um, sight, you know, um, smell to really immerse ourselves in the food, that really helps us to digest that food. And, you know, the trouble is when we're not mindful, and we're just quickly shoveling food down, we're missing, you know, the full cue because it takes about 20 minutes, say, for our body to realize that we're full. Yeah. And we're also not actually absorbing the nutrients of the food in our body as well. So the way that we digest food is really important. And there's also this analogy too around the way that we digest life. So our whole mm. digestion can be impacted by food digestion, but the way that we also digest life, which, you know, links closely to that, that stress element as well. Oh, I love that. How we digest life. That's beautiful. So the third symptom, thanks, Nat. Uh, the third symptom that I wanted to, you know, we've probably hinted on it a little bit just for that conversation, but is anxiety. So a commonly reported menopause symptom due in part to the change in estrogen, which plays a key part in our brain function is anxiety. So this can also affect chemicals in your brain, impacting anxiety, depression, or even panic attacks. It can also result in crying. Mm, I'm a bit guilty of that. My boys will often say, mum, what are you crying for? Oh, you know, I'll see something on the TV and I'll just burst into tears. They're happy tears, I say, I say to them. So, so yes, it can also result in crying, irritability, loss of confidence, brain fog, and poor concentration. So while you may experience some anxiety or depression because of the changing hormone levels, frequent and ongoing symptoms of these mental illnesses are not the norm. And, you know, if at any, at any point, if you feel like you just, you know, things aren't the norm, they seem a little bit more than, you know, things we're talking about here or the things that you're reading about or, you know, always go through and see your trusted health professional and just check it out with them as well. Um, but, you know, lifestyle decisions and changes can really, really help with all of these symptoms as well. The other thing I want to make the point here too is anxiety can also be exasperated by insomnia, uh, which also, you know, not being able to sleep. So that creates a vicious cycle too. So, you know, those little issues or worries can become magnified through not sleeping well and having anxiety. So again, that whole stress response, anxiety response can really be helped with anxiety. So did you have some thoughts there, Nat, on what can help with anxiety? Yeah, I definitely do. And, you know, there's a common theme, obviously, that's coming through in this, this episode, but also in other episodes too, is, you know, the way that we really support people around anxiety is, you know, having a mindful approach to it. So anxiety, as we know, is, you know, being caught up in what might happen and having fears and worries about you know what could possibly go wrong or you know and, and i guess really getting caught up in in that moment mm. and so what we want to do is we want to try and bring ourselves back to the now and you know as a yoga and meditation teacher this is something that i'm very passionate about in teaching people how to use these practices to support 
you know, them coming back to the present moment. And, and really it's about connecting with, you know, yourself, also being aware of your mind and the thoughts that you're having in your mind, but then also experiencing what it is that you are feeling. You know, I can definitely appreciate that, you know, when we're in an um, anxious episode or a panic attack, you know, we, we are almost, you know, out of our body and our focus and attention is very much on that, you know, that one thing that we're, that we're experiencing or, or that we're stuck on. Which is really heightened, isn't it? And it doesn't, it's that element of being heightened that it probably doesn't need to. It's that vicious circle that we talked about. Sorry. No, it I is. Can't. No, no, definitely it is. And, you know, I guess when it comes to um, supporting ourselves with anxiety is there's this idea that we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. And it's almost bringing comfort to the uncomfort that we're experiencing. And of course, you know, meditation, breathing, as Lisa touched on, and, you know, I've got a, a whole breathing toolkit under my belt that I, you know, love to teach people about on different breathing techniques. But, you know, they're the ways that we can really support ourselves. Um, and a, and a perfect type of meditation is compassionate meditation. So, you know, coming back and, and experiencing a sense of self-compassion, some loving kindness to ourselves as well. Um, because again, you know, when we're caught up in, in these moments too, you know, we can start to berate ourselves or criticize or judge ourselves, you know, and, and talk to ourselves, you know, in, in not a very nice way. And that then exacerbates the ongoing um, feeling of anxiety and um, and stress too. So, you know, having a moment to actually be compassionate towards ourselves, and really, you know, thinking about the way that we are so compassionate to other people. So if we were seeing someone else who was mm. experiencing this, you know, we would be there. We'd be saying, you know, I hope you're feeling okay. You know, I'm here for you. And actually flipping that back to ourselves and saying, may I be happy? You know, I'm safe healthy i'm here for you and you know i always talked when i'm talking about you know doing this health and well-being work for ourselves that we spend a lot of time talking to ourselves internally and even as we go through menopause you know we're connecting to ourselves we're having mindful conversations with ourselves and you know it's ensuring that we're we're talking kindly to ourselves and you know we touched on this in the last episode too around you know that menopause mindset that it's really important and you know, just talking through these three main symptoms, it really highlights, you know, that how much of an impact these symptoms have on women. Yeah. But then also the flow and effect to other people around as well in family and community and huge. workplaces. Absolutely huge. And you know what, you, you touch on two really good points there. I like what you say. Menopause, it's almost like be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that's a really good way to approach it, that there are going to be elements of where I'm uncomfortable because I don't know, I haven't experienced this before. So maybe that's, you know, that could be a little bit of a catchphrase in your brain. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uncomfortable, but I'm comfortable with that, you know. Um, and the other thing, uh, and I've just forgotten what the other thing was, Nat, so <laughs> keep going. <laughs> No, you are. You, you're, you're spot on. And it's, you know, this is where this knowledge and this information about, you know, what it is that we're actually experiencing, why we're experiencing it, you know, and really deep diving into having that appreciation for what our body is actually going through and experiencing mm. is really important. And, and really thinking that this is, this is a daily progress that we have to take in supporting ourselves. Very much so. And I remember what that other thing is too, Nat. You mentioned about self-care that we show, oh no, the care that we show to others. So we, there's, a, there's, you know, some questioning that we would go about to make sure they're okay. So 
you know, think about picking that up and asking yourself those same questions in a situation where you're not feeling great. So how powerful, you know, we, we can do it. We do it with other people. So, you know, and I just thought I'd take a, you know, a set two just to talk about how these are what we talk through here today. These are some of the points that we do in, you know, these and so much more in our Find Your Brilliance program where we work with women and we take a deep dive with you in this time of your life. We cover so many things. You know, we talk about perimenopause and menopause, you know, what's been happening with you, you know, specifically to you, the signs and the symptoms that you've been experiencing. There's a whole lot that we discuss in this program. It's not a program that we just pick out of the drawer or the filing drawer and say, okay, this is what you need to do. We tailor it to you so that you can feel comfortable about getting through this time of life with the different lifestyle decisions that you, you might need to tweak or, or change, you know. And we go through those pillars that you've heard us talk about in previous episodes, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and how they all combine together to that self, to you and what you need to change. So if you'd like any more details about that, certainly reach out to us and we can put a link to it in the show notes. We definitely can. And we'll also put some links to those past episodes that we've spoken about. And um, yeah, we've got some exciting interviews coming up as we well. We do, we do. Very excited. I might just leave it there and everyone can listen in and hear the, what we've got coming up. Yes, that's it. But yeah, look, another great episode and, and, you know, a really important topic and another, you know, opportunity to shine a light on some of those key symptoms and some of the ways that our audience can support themselves through that too. Beautiful. Can't wait to the next one now, Nat. Talk soon, Lise. All right, see ya. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.